This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, read me, Maras. Welcome back to this episode 35 of the Blue Army podcast. I am your host, Skelly, and as advertised, say hello, Wills. Hello. Hello, Wills. Hello, Wills. <laughs> the new catchphrase, mate. They'll be going on the Christmas mugs. Yeah. They'll be Can't going on the Christmas again. mugs. <laughs> That's it. It's going to become your catchphrase, I think, man. I've got I've got a few terms of phrase that I use way too regularly, which uh, I've started to become jokes in the comments section. I think somebody's keep keeping a tally. Yeah. I think somebody keeps a tally of the amount of times I say a certain couple of phrases, and they like to point it out and take the piss. But that's what it's all about. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, I'll, I, it, I'll make you like ball her. <laughs> well, it makes it makes me learn a bit, you know. It makes me more conscious yeah. as well, like to sort of maybe stay away from certain phrases for a bit of time. Yeah. And then if then maybe when I say them, it'll get a little bit of a pop or a bit of a giggle out of people. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, talking about having a pop and a giggle out of people, Will's, you want to get in yeah. on this week's joke of the week? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I used to All be right on there. Yeah. All right then, get ready for this one, Will's. Hey. <laughs> Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the Blue Army Podcast. Yeah. Joe, the week. Get the fucking Wills is here for the joke of the week. <laughs> right, mate. Oh, no, that... oh, right, mate. Right, mate. I think you know how these jokes go. They're not record breakers in any sense, <laughs> shape or form. But uh, yeah. Here comes your joke of the week, buddy. I have a fear of speed bumps. Oh, don't worry, mate. I'm slowly getting over it. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. Thanks very really much. Should we crack one. on? Should we crack yeah. on? Should we crack on with the rest of the show? Right. Oh, yeah. This week's <laughs> podcast, mate. On this week's podcast, myself and you, we're going to be sitting down in our little Zooms and giving our opinions on last Saturday's 2-1 defeat at the hands of Crawley. So there'll be a bit of moaning and groaning going on there, I can imagine. Then we'll be looking mm. ahead to Carlisle's next opponents, 
which is Scunthorpe. So hopefully a bit more uh, upbeat positivity when we come towards the uh, the second half of the show. And we'll round it off with a bit of lovely news. But first of all, mate, what's uh, what's that over there in the distance? Eh? And what's, what, what, what could that possibly be flashing around in the water? What is... Oh, oh. Over there, oh, it's Sam Fishburn. Sam Fishburn's back for Sam Fishburn watch. And um, I know I said I wouldn't do it this week, but there's been a bit of news, mate. There has been a bit of Sam Fishburn news, twofold, actually. Mm. And we'll start off with the fact that young Sam has earned himself the Lancaster City Dolly Blues Player of the Month for August. So hats off to him for that achievement, eh? Well done, Sam. Well done, Sam. Round of applause for Sam for that achievement. Um, The second bit of nuggetable information, as somebody who's a bit of a social media connoisseur and therefore follows most of Carlisle's ex-players who are subscribed to Instagram, interestingly enough, Sam Fishburne came up against a former Carlisle United goalkeeper this weekend, he was playing for Bashford Town. Unfortunately, Sam didn't get a goal past him, and Adam oh. Collins kept a clean sheet for Bashford. Remember Adam Collins, man? Adam Collins? Play, Adam still Collins. playing, is he? He's Bashford. over at Bashford. Yeah, he's Where's over at Bashford. Bashford, Bashford, mate. I imagine it's somewhere around the north. <laughs> Just because of the division <laughs> that it's in. Yeah. Um, probably Lancashire area, I'd imagine. Uh, probably between Cumbria and Lancashire, probably. Nottingham. Oh, hang on. Did you say Bashford? Bashford, yeah. Bashford, yeah, yeah. Adam Collins is the current head of goalkeeping and player at Bashford. Ah. Mm. I mean, they are so, they're so unknown that they don't even come up in a Google search on the... The only way I got the result for the game is by following Adam Collins on social media. <laughs> they don't post the results or anything. Anyway, it was 1-0 to Bashford. Uh, so Adam Collins kept a clean sheet against Sam Fishburne. Um, you know, it's a weirdly small world out there. And uh, yeah. football has its ups and downs. And Adam Collins is probably on the back nine. Uh, obviously, he's moving into a coaching role and Sam Fishburne very much at the start of his footballing career. And it's always nice to see an ex-Blue come up against the current Blue in any shape or form. And uh, to be honest, lad, I reckon that's all we've got to talk about this week on Sam Fishburne News. So, Sam, we'll see you later, buddy. You want to just go and splash off? Off you go then, mate. All right. All right, then, mate. I'll see you later. ta <laughs> Sam. ta buddy. Thanks for stopping by again. It's nice of Sam to keep dropping by like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's Lovely, nice, to yeah. Keep, nice to keep having him around. Um, so also, what I want to quickly do before we move on with the rest of the show is that I know I promised a lot of people that we'd maybe do some kind of board special this week, and I'd do a bit of research. And the problem is I ended up doing way too much research, and I was struggling to just sort of 
shrink it all down and still make it sort of relatable and easy to follow because there's lots and lots of that has happened and the further back you go you can sink more time into the saga of this current board what happened with edinburgh wooden mill the sort of handing over of fred's story um everyone in between and we can go further back to knighton and talk about all that stuff so i'm thinking wills it's gonna make and i know it's early doors but i'm thinking it's gonna make an interesting summer schedule episode so sorry that i teased that but we're going to hold off because okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's going to take a while i reckon we're going to get at least an hour out of it so there's no point in squeezing it in between a couple of match reports we may as well give it the yeah. time and dedication that it deserves at a time of the year when we need the content <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so, so apologies for that if you were looking forward to a bit of board gossip or whatever you thought it was going to be, but not this week, but I'll keep you updated on that one. Right, Wills, let's move on to the match crack and uh, talk about Carlisle United's game against Crawley Town. Third from bottom, Crawley sat last week when we spoke about Crawley. Um, I do normally run through the Carlisle United lineup first, but uh, we'll talk about just, just... the reaction at the final whistle going into the game, we obviously thought we were going to win. I didn't think we were ever going to lose that game. I really didn't think we were going to lose that game until no. it kicked off. And when it kicked off... Yeah, on paper. Uh, yeah. On yeah. paper, we look, we look much the better side on paper. But, yeah, I mean, what 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 went wrong, mate? What was it? Uh, it's just um, our poor finishing. Is it coming back to bite us again? Um. I mean, I don't know, we had, like, in terms of, like, shots, you know, we were about even with Crawley, weren't we? I've not watched through the whole of the match. I listened on the radio, watched the highlights with the goals. Mm. Um, You know... Yeah. Um, it was, uh, 12, 12 shots for Crawley, 11 shots for us, five on target for them, three on target for us. Uh, 51-49% uh, percent yeah. split. So by the end of the game, quite an even game. Yeah, I mean, Crawley, I was sort of looking at um, expected goals. Um, Crawley had 1.2 to our 0.8. So it mm. looks like, you know, it, it's a match with few good chances. And 1.2 to 0.8 is kind of edging it, but not, you know. Um, but the, the websites that are go on, experimental361.com, they actually kind of put the experiment expected goals into a timeline and you can actually see that it was at the time that we equalized it was kind of even both teams had had good chance well not the the, both teams had had even chances although not that many it was it was after we equalized that then Crawley started kind of being the team knocking on the door so I mean disappointing all round um, maybe it's wrong of me to say that the problem I thought was just poor finishing because if we've only created 0.8 expected goals, then the implication there is that this was a match where we didn't really create good enough chances. Yeah, I mean, there was there was plenty of chances in, in the second half in the first yeah. sort of uh, 25 minutes before the... Before the breakthrough, there was there was a couple yeah. of chances. Obviously, we'll we'll get there when we get there in the timeline of yeah. um, of proceedings. But it's for me, mate. 
I wanted to win that game. I thought we were going to win that game. I never thought that we were ever going to lose that game until it kicked off. We looked awful in the first five minutes. So did they. That continued for the first half an hour. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. do you know what? I'll do the lineups and then we'll start talking about the game. Carlisle United okay. starting lineup for our game against Crawley Town was as follows. There was Magnus Norman in goal. Mella kept his position in the starting lineup at right back. Whelan, McDonald, and Armour all in the back line with Riley, Guy, and Mellish in the midfield, Alessandra, Abrahams, and Dickinson. Now, I've started to do what starting 11s I would like to see and posting yep. them on the Instagram page. And I left Mellish out the side and I, I got a bit of backlash for that, which is fair enough. And obviously in yep. retrospect, even fairer enough. But I needed to see something different from Carlisle United and lining up in another 4-3-3 formation. We didn't start the last game well, didn't start the game before that well. We're not good starters and we've been starting in that formation for the last couple of games. Um I needed to see something a bit more stable, mate. Um, The game plan doesn't seem to be working at the moment with this 4-3-3 formation. Really doesn't seem to be working for us. The links between the midfield and attack don't seem to really be forming. And uh, you can see players working hard, but the reason they're working hard, like players like Alessandra, is because the game, they have to make up for the fact that they're not linking up very well. Yeah, I mean, it's just seemed sort of so far this season um, what now feels like a bit of a poor start um, is that we haven't quite got the right players for the way we want to play. Yeah. And you're probably right there. It's the kind of link up between the midfield and the attack where, you know, Coyote and Patrick were such different players to what we've got now. They were real attacking wingers, weren't they? You yeah. Know, they, they know how to play. We don't have the big, strong presence out wide anymore. Like, Dickinson's not that guy. Alessandra's definitely not that guy. He'll chase down the ball. I did want to talk about this, actually, mate. So I'll just, I'll just read you yeah. uh, what I've written down about it. Obviously, in the last few minutes of the transfer window, we lost, arguably, our two best defenders. Um, probably our best centre-back and, obviously, our best right-back. So you can definitely say yeah. that. <laughs> um, which massively affected the way that we were going to be playing football for that season. Uh, I think the game plan was very much to have Armour and Tanner um, maybe as a part of like a back five, um, being able to bomb up and down those lines. And obviously when you lose Tanner and replace him with a 31-year-old, you have to Mm. rejig the entire game plan. And when Hayden goes missing from that defence, it it probably makes people feel a little bit less stable back there. That's your leader that's gone out of that defence and nobody really seems to have taken charge of the defence yet. Nobody seems to have came forward and took the lead. Norman hasn't. McDonald doesn't really look like he's... he's, uh, No, he he looks busy pretty much. He looks too occupied with his job on the pitch already to have to tell other people what to do. Yeah, I mean, in the first few games, we looked quite good defensively, though. So, you know, for a while, it looked like defence wasn't really going to be something that we had to talk about much, despite losing Aaron Hayden then at the start of the season. And, of course, having already lost Reese Bennett, you know, mm. it seemed like Whelan and McDonald would would do a good job. And, you know, I, I don't think, from what I've seen, either of them were necessarily at fault for sort of the games that we lost yesterday uh, the game that we lost on Saturday but I think they're slow at closing down mate I do yeah. I think they're just slow at closing attackers down and that's a large part of the problem so 
One of the improvements that I did see against Salford is that Whelan and McDonald seem to at least have um, some communication. And going into the game, there seems to have been the conversation that Whelan's the first defender and McDonald is the second line of defence. So basically, yeah. when a ball comes into the attacking third in a central yeah. position, Whelan's always the first defender to go for it. And McDonald yeah. is the one that sits back and defends, which on the stats is proved right because McDonald yeah. has won as the best interception um, rate in the division for a centre-back at the current yeah. time. And that's because he's the second defender because he's getting on the scraps that Whelan's given him and being able to clear the ball away and yeah. get to the through balls and stuff like that. So the communication seems to be there between Whelan and McDonald. And I'm willing to give yeah. that partnership a lot more time to develop. But here's the actual thing. Are they good enough? Just because they can work okay together, over the case of the last seven games... They've played okay for about three of them, and they've, you know, they've not looked okay for the other sort of three or four. So it does beg the question: Are they good enough to be at this level? Uh, are they good enough to get us to the next level? Uh, do they have that in the locker? Are they of that quality? Um, I don't know. I think we're still kind of like waiting and seeing on Whelan because he's a young player who's kind of he's been out of the country for a bit and it's not really his natural position. So, but he is young, so it is at that kind of stage where, you know, it, it, it wasn't really Aaron Hayden's natural position at first. Well, I think he was played more at right back. And, um, you know, and, and there was a bit under Stephen Presley where Hayden looked like he wasn't really going to get many chances. He just looked a little bit out of his depth when he came in. But then he kind of grew under Chris Beach. So, you know, Whelan's young enough that you can kind of like think that, you know, maybe that's going to develop and he's going to become better. Um, as for like whether as a pair they're good enough, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think defence hasn't been our main issue so far this season. We've had like a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of games where, where some of our defendings looked fairly shoddy. Uh, but, you know, um, probably, the, I think they're probably a good enough defence, at least for a team that want to get into the playoffs. You know, um, I, I, I don't think they're, uh, you know, necessarily going to hold us back. And, you know, where you've got like... Uh, two players who just aren't good enough and pretty much condemn you to a bottom half finish because you can't finish top half with them. I think they're good enough to kind of, you know, they're good enough for a team that hopefully like we will be is trying to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, two, two clean sheets in the first seven games. Uh, what's the, what's the goal difference for Carlisle at the moment? Uh, zero. Yeah. It's not it's obviously it's not the leakiest defense in the league by any stretch of the imagination. You look at Oldham down yeah. there at the bottom with minus ten, but I, I I don't know. But I think I feel like McDonald isn't necessarily physical enough to really be one of the top defenders at this level. Uh, I think he lacks in height, and that's quite important at this level because a lot of people play yeah. with big target men. So what I do, what I don't see is Whelan necessarily getting pushed around for corners and set pieces and things like that. But what I have seen is that McDonald's been towered over before. 
Yeah. Um, and doesn't win, doesn't win a lot of headers. And I'm, like I said, the stats say McDonald is a very good defender at this level uh, through interceptions and things like that. But interceptions is on the ground and most teams in League Two don't play on the ground. So it's almost like a redundant stat. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see what you mean. I just think, like, in the big scheme of things, it's a relatively minor issue that I think, like, I, I don't think if, say, we could go out tomorrow and bring back, say, you know, just say bring back Hayden, Tanner and and Bennett and, and line up next, you know, line up our next game with that back four, I don't think it would change things that much. Don't get me wrong. I feel like off, yeah. off, the, off the back of these first two games, I feel like um, Mella's potentially a better defender than Tanner. Yeah. Um, currently, obviously, Tanner's got a lot of growing to do, but Mella's delivery in both of these games has been very good. And also, he's got into the box uh, in both yeah. of these games and had a, had, a, had an, an okay chance, at least a half chance, which might lend itself to the sort of right back that scores four to five goals a season, uh, which would be helpful to have a couple of goals coming from that way. Tanner wasn't really the sort of defender that got in the box, but he would make those runs, get forward. And if he ended up going central, he would take a shot. But I don't, I don't think that physically, I feel like physically Mella is a better defender. Um, I feel like obviously the experience makes him a better defender, like judgment calls and things like that. In Tanner's last game against Hartlepool, he let the ball bounce sort of in front of him, and that's sort of like mm. a very rookie mistake. I think Mello would have just booted that. <laughs> it would have went flying back where it came from. Yeah. And also the leadership role, like I said, against Salford, Mello showed himself to be a bit of a leader, great encouragement towards Norman. I think he realises that he's a senior player in the squad and that it's important for him to step up and be vocal during certain exchanges. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, going forward, getting into the box, he looks like he does that more than Tanner ever did it. So hopefully going forward, we've actually got ourselves a better right back there. But yeah, centrally, centrally, I do worry. Centrally, I do worry. We'll move <laughs> away from the, uh, from the centre-backs. Neither side started very brightly. Uh, we were f- probably thinking after the first five minutes, it's going to be a bit of a long slogging League Two classic dog's body sort of game. It really looked scrappy, didn't look good. But um, after a bad start from both teams, Nichols got in front of Armour from a corner ball and managed to volley it home past uh, past Norman's back post. A number of things pissed me off about this goal, Wills. Yeah, the fact that somebody scored a volley from a corner in the six-yard box really pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. The fact the fact that Norman stayed rooted to his line really pissed me off and didn't try to come right. out and claim it or anything. It was in his six-yard box. Yeah, and the fact that nobody was on the back post really pissed me off because yeah. there was somebody on the front post. So when you put those three things together, it says oh. not a very well-organized defense. And a very avoidable goal. What do you think about that, mate? Yeah, I, you know, it looked very poor goal. Um, I think the, you know, the thing that you pointed out there that I probably agree with most is like having someone on the back post. But I'm not an expert in this. I don't know whether that's something teams teams still do. Um, I don't, if you're gonna put someone on the front post, you should put someone yeah. on the back post, right? If you, I don't yeah. understand. I mean, like looking at the goal again, it seems like it's mainly armor. 
I don't know, he just kind of, uh, Nichols makes a change of direction and Armour and Arma seems to spot it late. He's not got his eye on his man. You can yeah. kind of see it. You can kind of see as the ball comes in, Nichols is running in one direction and Armour's kind of, you know, between him and the goal, backtracking to keep... To Nichols keep made a mad. really good run and Armour lost, yeah. lost him when he turned his back. Yeah, he turned his back yeah. because the run came in and as he turned his back, Nichols changed his direction slightly. Armour yeah. saw it late. Nichols was already goal side of him. Yeah, uh, the ball in was good, point, but the yeah. ball shouldn't have got to the back post. The goalkeeper should have came out and claimed it, or or, or the, the person on the front post should have came off the front post and headed it away or blocked it. Yeah, so like at this point, uh, so Magnus Norman is, I suppose, is kind of like still facing, still facing the front post. Um, at this point, you can probably work out where the ball's going to land. Um, so what does Magnus Norman do? He, he actually takes a step back further onto his line because yeah, he starts he starts off slightly off his line. Well, you know, just like about uh, about a yard off his line, just so he can see it because he's got something on his front post. Yeah, yeah. So, so the ball's coming in. Um, Armour loses his man. Magnus Norman's still off his line. He's, he he spots the ball coming into that area, mm. and I don't know if he just dis, he actually goes back onto his line. I don't know why. I don't know if he's kind of because he he can't be expecting Armour to get it. Armour's already lost his man by that point. Yeah, um, yeah. So could he have just kind of like come forward and at oh, least close at, at least close down Nichols so that he's not got. You know the chance he's got because by the time it comes to him, Norman is on his line and Nichols has the hold of the goal to aim at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if he come off his line, he wouldn't necessarily get the ball, but he come off his line and close down Nichols so that Nichols can't just volley it anywhere. Well, the wide, the back post was wide open for him just to slot it in the back post. It, it was a well taken yeah. finish. Don't get me wrong, but it was on a plate for him, and it, the reason it was on a plate for him is because of poor defending. Well, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's a volley. You know, you know, no player should, you know, no player should be volleying it in the, in the six-yard six yard box, box from, from a corner. corner. That should, no. It shouldn't be possible for a player to get the ball at that height to do no. that. No, no, so it just smack. It just smacks bad defending. Carl, I'll go one yeah. nil down there. Uh, like we both said, pretty poor defending. The way that the rest of the half played out, though, the goal went in in the 32nd minute. The way that the rest of the half went out was quite nervy. Both teams just sort of took the foot off it. Uh, both teams had possession, but very lackluster with it. Carlisle didn't really want to get the ball down and play. So the last 15 minutes of the second half was just about as entertaining as the first 15 minutes of the first half, which is a bit disappointing, mate, to be, to yeah. be honest there. I thought you wanted us to go and chase uh, the game. I mean, that's been that we've been. Um, oh yeah, so you just said that we were going long ball. So was, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of been our problem throughout this season is kind of reverting to just long ball when you know whenever we're under a bit of pressure. So we're kind of like you know we've gone one nil down, and there seems to be a lack of a lack of kind of belief that they can kind of pass it around and and get through defences that way. Seems to be kind of like this feeling that, you know, when we're up against it, just kind of play percentage balls 
boot it into a rough area and hope that one of the attackers can make something of it once it gets there. And yeah, it looks... I, Go on. And, I, you know, I think partly that is them, you know, trying to play the way that they played last season when it worked. Just, you know, we haven't... We, you know, whether the attackers that we've got this season just aren't up to that kind of uh, play or whether they just haven't kind of like caught up with what the tactic is yet. Yeah, it's just not it's just not really working. It it's 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 not meant to be long ball, but it ends up being long ball because the attackers aren't winning the ball in the on the cusp of the on, on the cusp of the final thirds. They're winning they're trying to win or just chasing after it right in the uh, you know right in the end zone. End zone. <laughs> right Monday in the final night six. football on channel five <laughs> they're like they're like chasing after you trying to catch up with it right in the like the final eight shall we say <laughs> <laughs> now it's disappointing when you see the team resort to the long ball games when obviously yeah. we've got players that can play with the ball at their feet very well one of those was Corey wheel uh Corey Whelan. One of those was Zach Clough, who eventually did come off the bench and did make an yeah. impact. It was better to see him this weekend than it was to see him last weekend, even though we beat Salford in the yeah. end. Um, so, like I said, Carlisle go in for half time. We're one nil down. Chris Beach is sitting his side down, and he's probably giving them the riot act. He's probably telling them, "Get over there, get over here." Blah blah blah. They go out for the second half. And it only takes eight minutes before Chris Beach starts making more changes. Nine minutes, and he's made all three of yeah. his changes for the game. As a manager, um, I mean, if I was a manager, as a football manager on FM21, yeah. if that was my side, and I just had 15 minutes in the changing rooms with them, and I yeah. set my stall out again, and they turned up for the second half, and they played like that, I'd be fuming i would be fuming that i had to make a triple substitute like the, the fact that you know is, is is it the fact that his game plan didn't work is it the fact that the players in front of him just aren't doing what he wants them to do because yeah. when he made the substitutions um you know the very attacking substitutions gibson for armor riley sort of ended up going backwards into the defense there did you notice that um, no, no, because I was only listening on the radio, so I yeah, didn't Joe, actually... Joe Riley yeah. ended up going back into sort of like a left-back position to sort of like help yeah. cover uh, there. Obviously, Gibson came on, Clough and Young all came on. Um, yeah. Changing everything up, going for the attack. Abraham's coming off, Dickinson coming off. Both of them didn't do a lot in the first half, so that's completely understandable. Um, Clough looked like he was dropping deep a lot more uh, this game. He he wanted to get on the ball. He wanted to make things happen. And yeah. that sort of Grelish role, I think, would, yeah. would, would probably suit him quite well. But you can't just let him run around the pitch and do what he wants. You have to keep him at least sort of central so he can run this. You can't have him drifting too far wide to try and get the ball. You do have to keep him yeah. sort of central. And quite effective in the game. Um, there was chances for... Let's have a quick look. Do, 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 do. Chances for Guy, Alessandra and Mella before Mellish yeah. scored the goal. Uh, Guy's shot was a lovely curling effort from just outside the area. You'd like to see him take on a couple more of those yeah. during the season. Um, but the deadlock was broken for Carlisle United. 
the equaliser was scored after a very nice turn from Gibson. Uh, got past his man, slotted the ball into John Mellish, who smashed it into the top corner slash roof of the net. Very good finish, very good assist, uh, very good link-up play from the two of them. What do you have to say about the goal, mate? Um, yeah, it was Gibson. I mean, uh, it was Gibson's turn and run that stood out for me because you can see on the highlights, he'd done that a couple of times before. Um, he, he had a go at doing it against Salford as well, so... And, and that's kind of what we want to see. We want to see players with the ball at their feet in the final third instead of just the ball floating around in the air. Put in a very good pass. Well, he put in a very good... Um, is it... I don't know if you can really call it a cross. He put in a very good pass to John yeah. Mellish. Uh, play, sort of played, played... It was a through ball, really. Kind of like found the... Yeah, found the gap. And a great finish from John Mellish. You know, he's... He's still fairly wide of the goal. There's defenders running in, but he just, you know, manages to get the ball sort of high and into the centre of the goal, is it? Yeah, where um, just over the keeper. Yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's a really clever sort of finish. You know, you, the, the keeper just had no chance of getting to it after it left yeah. his boot. Uh, and it seemed like Mellish has been practising those because he felt comfortable to go for it. You don't normally see him smash it like that. Um, he's, he's normally a bit of a toe poker. But yeah, absolutely great to see that he's, he's got another sort of like finish in his arsenal. And um, at that point, obviously, you're thinking that Carlisle are going to push forwards and go for the winner late on yeah. in the game. And they did, they did, they had another chance going forward shortly afterwards, yeah. but it didn't really come to much. And unfortunately, Crawley Town found a 90th minute winner through yeah. Tash Rula. Again, I think I have to say that the defence was a little bit slow to close down. I feel like when somebody's on the edge of the box, it takes us an extra little bit of time to decide. When when we're defending set pieces and it falls to somebody on the edge of the box, it takes us a little bit more time to decide who's going to close the man down. It's never as effective if the man closing down is approaching from the side and not the front. Uh, It was Mellish that eventually picked the man up and he he tried to defend it from the left, which is sort of, you know, it's not as effective. If someone's not coming out of the box to try and get him, you know, that's the block that you want. You don't want someone coming from the side. I hope I've explained that eloquently enough. (laughs) Absolutely gutted when the goal went in. Shortly afterwards, though, mate, and I I keep repeating myself, but shortly afterwards, I couldn't help thinking once again that somebody with an extra four inches in reach could have potentially been able to react quick enough and reach that ball and save it. And I think that man was sitting on the bench and his name's Lucas Jensen. Um, I can't really tell, really, looking at, looking at the highlights, because because the shot comes from outside the box, the camera's not on Norman, so you can't see how he's positioned when the shot comes in. And then the camera follows the ball and everything goes blurry. So if I pause it at the point that Norman comes into view, Everything's just a blur. He's already started diving. I can't work out how he hasn't how he hasn't got that. It doesn't look like it's beyond his reach. No, again, again, mate, again, he, it's not. If he just kind of dives into the wrong place, just misses it. But I mean, it is very blurry, so I can't tell. But here's the thing: it doesn't, for look, me. Like, 
is that yeah. in the box, just visually, in those situations, if you're an extra, like, six inches taller than everyone else, when the ball ends up going outside of the box, just because you're taller, you've got the vision that you can see it. So your positioning yeah. is automatically going to be much, much better than a goalkeeper that's six inches shorter than you, who perhaps can't see the ball when it goes to outside the box because there's defenders and players in front of him. So that, yeah. in my opinion, mate, Jensen doesn't see that late. Jensen sees that coming at him early, gets a strong hand to it and, it, and it gets palmed over the bar. Last week against Salford, when that ball just trickled past uh, Norman slowly yeah. into the bottom corner, we both said the positioning was poor from Norman. Um Jensen would have seen that earlier again, in my opinion, because of the fact that he's just a bit bloody bigger and he would have been in a better position to have saved the ball. And against Hartlepool, I feel like from set pieces, it's just more effective to have a larger goalkeeper in there because it's more commanding and you need to snuff those efforts out and you need the vision. And I think now's the time to give Jensen the chance, mate. I do think now's the time to give Jensen the chance because it's been maybe the third game in a row now where I've said um, Jensen could have got to that. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Um, maybe then. Yeah. I mean, like, we're at this kind of point in the season now where we've got a kind of perfectly symmetrical record and we're mid-table and I would say I would say that's a poor start of the season especially mm. given the fact that I don't think we've lost to a really good team in Crawley there. Well that's um, what I was about so, to say you look at the fixtures as well yeah. and some of the some of the points that we've dropped against some of the teams that we played against. Yeah you know, I we mean, should we should be beating Hartlepool we should be beating Leighton Orient at home. Yeah I, I mean Hartlepool have started well. Yeah but even still so, you know maybe I mean, I mean, they weren't fancied, but you know, maybe Hartlepool and the pushovers that, that the bookies thought they were going to be at the start of the season. I mean, you know, if you say that we should be beating Hartlepool, then I could probably just argue we should, you know, we should we should be beating everyone, and we kind of should. You know, there shouldn't be any team that we can't beat. But at the, at the same time, um, you know, with that start of the season, I think Crawley were one of those teams that if we were. You know, if we were kind of like challenging at the top of the table, we we should be just kind of like not not walking over those matches, but winning them without having to go into you know top gear. When you look when you look at the results from day dot, you would have hoped that we could have beat Colchester on the first game of the season rather than drawing. Uh, Swindon away. You would hope for at least a draw. We lost Port Vale away again. Hey, Swindon. Oh, yeah, sorry, we beat Swindon 2-1, <laughs> sorry. I, d- I was looking at the wrong thing. Um, yeah. And then late Norian at home, yeah. I feel like that's, you know, we should have won that game. We should have at least drew against Hartlepool in the league. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's been stop-starty and it's still early doors, so I'm not panicking, but I want to see us, like, have the ability to win two, three games in a row, not be like that, Remember that Greg Abbott side in League One yeah. where they couldn't they couldn't win more than two games in a row. It took them like two years to win more than two games in a row. We just, yeah. we, we need that consistency. Otherwise, we're always going to be just outside the playoffs or just mosineying around on the mid table, and that's not you know an asset. What no investor wants to come in and buy that, you know. Um, so 
just give us a bit more. We just need a bit more from the side. You know, hopefully we'll get that stab in the arm against Scunthorpe. But before we move on to talk about Scunthorpe, it's a difficult thing to do, but we're going to continue to give our Man of the Match awards to uh, whoever we want to give them to. And um, Wills, I think I went first last week. So do you want to try and decipher a Man of the Match from this game so we can add them to the tally? Yeah, based on what I've seen, I'll give it to Jordan Gibson. He was yeah. only on for part of the second half, but you know he he made some good chances. One of them leading to John Mellish's goal. Um, I think he's kind of definitely made a case for that he should maybe start the next game. Based on what we've seen good, of him, yeah. I think that'd be a good idea. A good shot in the arm. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me. It's um, Mella. I'm going to pick Mella. I think Mella had a good game. Um, on a day where nobody really had an amazing game, I feel like uh, Mella just stood out. I almost gave it to him last week, and maybe that's what's yeah. swaying my decision a little bit more. <laughs> you, you, is feel, that... you feel like he's owed one. <laughs> I feel like, he, yeah, a little bit. I feel like he's owed one from last week. So it's a bit of a cop-out, I suppose. <laughs> he, uh, the defence did concede two goals. I can't. I don't think you can necessarily blame Mella. And also, Mella, Mella put in a... Amazing cross in the second half, and Alessandro managed to hit the post with the resulting yeah. header from the cross. Really good cross. Uh, and that and was his, another his, one of the things that came from Jordan Gibson's running as well. It was, yeah, yeah, as another result from Jordan Gibson. Yeah, yeah, and it was Mellor's, enough, but it was on. actually Mellor's pass as well, I think, forward to Jordan Gibson that then led to the goal. So, That's it. so they were linking up well. Examples there of Mellor and Gibson linking up, yeah. Yeah, so I think that makes it even a stronger case for Gibson to go into the Carlisle starting lineup for the game against Scunthorpe. So, w- would you would you change the formation and go sort of like more four four two and therefore use the wingers Dickinson on the left hand side, Gibson on the right hand side? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know whether the you know the three in midfield that we've got is such an integral part of how we play and they know each other. Hmm. Whether you've kind of got to stick with four three three because of that, because of the familiarity there. Um, well, you could always stick a guy behind the two strikers. Yeah. Well, behind the behind a striker. That's, I, I'm not sure you could really put guy in that position. You could maybe put Mellish in that position, kind of like slightly forward of the midfielders. Um, yeah. Whether whether that work. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not playing a like a shadow expert. forward. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, with four four two, you could kind, of, you know, we could kind of go with two two proper kind of strikers. Uh, say proper strikers, probably go with like um, Clough and Abraham. I don't know, like uh, Clough has. In a four-three-three, I guess you say like because he's played in the middle of a four-three-three, he needs to be the one staying forward. And if he doesn't, if he kind of like floats around too much, then there's nobody in the box. Which I think is that kind of what you get in that with his positioning because it's a four-three-three. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it lends. Uh, uh, you, you, what. What I was saying last week about Clough is that you need to get more players around him. So he yeah. does have to play centrally with more players around him. His, his sort of potentially what I might do is that you do the four in the back line, the three in the midfield. Okay. And then instead of having three up front, you have two up front with a player in between the two, like the strikers and the three midfielders. 
So rather okay. than having three three attackers and three midfielders, you have three midfielders, two attackers, and then like one sort of like attacking midfielder, I guess, like playing the line so, between them. And so then like that, a four three one two. Yeah, so that that gives you the sort of like the option to play like Clough in behind the striker or as a striker. Um, yeah. Because I don't think like we I don't feel like we're necessarily that effective out wide at the moment. Unfortunately, I don't think Dickinson's necessarily effective out wide or Alessandra. I'm not saying he's lost a yard this year, but <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't look as potent as he did last year necessarily. Um, uh, I so, think the main I think the main changes we need to make then, uh, especially if we're going to change the system, is kind of you know getting the players to adjust their system a bit. And you know, basically stop lumping the ball forward for Coyote, and then Coyote's not there because he's in Rotherham. <laughs> well, maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's a case of uh, taking somebody from the midfield and dropping them deeper, then so they can come and collect that ball off the defense rather than knocking it long. So you know, you take you take mm. a you take a guy or a Riley to drop back into that position. And be receiving goal kicks and uh, and and things like that. You know, you want him to be back there in that position, and then only in a supporting role, maybe in the midfield, because Whelan and McDonald aren't ball playing defenders whatsoever. So you need somebody if you if you need somebody to stop them from playing the long ball. So you've got to drop deep and receive it, I think. And so in that case, guys probably want to do it. Oh yeah, so like yeah, so if you do have if you do have your raised midfielder like we were talking about there, you can quite easily let like Riley and Guy go back and collect it, and then you yeah. can sit with your sort of attacking midfielder and your other central midfielder in that sort of like central role, and then you still got your strikers as well sitting up there. But yeah, yeah you can always choose between Riley and Guy who's dropping deep to pick the ball up from the defence or the goalkeeper directly. And that might solve a lot of issues because the issue does seem to be the defenders get onto the ball and they lump it long. But if we can get a link between the defence and stop them from playing the long ball, then we might have a bit more effect and a bit more time to sort of do that build-up beach ball kind of football. Yeah, I mean, once the defenders pass it out of defence, then it kind of stops being beach ball because... I think I think you can't start beach ball in your own half. You have to kind of like start beach ball in the attacker's half. So if we if we have midfielders dropping back to collect the ball off the defense, then it becomes something else. It's no longer beach ball. Um and that might be the right thing to do because that's what we've got the players to do. If mm. we've got the players to do that. Um and hopefully, you know, hopefully there is a way to get this team to work because we've got some good players. It's just whether whether we can get the system right, whether we can get the players playing in the system. You know, I mean, like Clough looks at times a very good player, but um, he's not going to look like a good player when you're playing long balls up to him because he's not going to win them. He's not going to be in the right place to receive them. And he's going to look like He's not working. Yeah. Well, it, you know, we, 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 need to, we need to change something up. Something different needs to happen. There needs to be yeah. a stronger game plan. Maybe a simpler game plan might be the, the way forward. Just, just, just get us more onto the front foot more regularly during a game. We don't have 
big target men up front that can necessarily bully people like we did last year. So, yeah, maybe the idea is that we have midfielders dropping deep, collecting the ball, and that'll obviously lend itself to more football being played on the ground. But Mm -hmm. when winter is around the corner and conditions get a lot worse and you go to a place like Harrogate, you can't play football on the ground, um, which we found last year. So... It's a difficult one, and I and, and I'm glad I'm not Chris Beach because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's re- it's really uh, it's really starting to give me a headache. Uh, we'll move on and we'll uh, start talking about Carlisle United's next opponents. We are welcoming Scunthorpe to Brunton Park on Saturday. A side who are third from bottom, which hopefully doesn't become an omen for us because Crawley Town were third from bottom uh, before they beat us on Saturday. Um, Scunthorpe got thrashed by Exeter 4-0 at home on Saturday. They're not looking good, man. Uh, But that's exactly what I said about Crawley last week. They've made some okay signings. To be honest, uh, they, they, they've used full uh, uh, advantage of the loan market and uh, they're not in a terrible area of the country to be picking up players from the likes of Wigan, which is what they've went out and, and done, uh, really. So, oh, mate, I just, oh, I feel like we're going to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean... A lot of the things we could have said, we could say about Scunthorpe, we could have said about Crawley. They've had, um, it's, I mean, the the start of the season that they had wasn't bad, considering that they were heavily fancied for relegation. Like they were the team that people were looking at as being this season's Grimsby or this season's Chesterfield, the team that are just in all kinds of trouble right from the start. And, and and sit in the relegation zone from basically day one right the way through. Now, Oldham seem to be currently favourites for that. And Scunthorpe started with a, they started with a defeat at home to Swindon. You know, fair enough, because Swindon were one of the teams expected to go up. Scunthorpe expected to go down. Uh, then they had three draws in a row. And then beat Tramia. So yeah. after five games, you were kind of like Scunthorpe are doing a lot better than they're expected, and maybe it should be congratulated. Uh, follow that up by two defeats: two nil uh, away to Northampton and four nil home to Exeter, and they are sitting on six points, just above the relegation zone. Admittedly, only after seven games. Uh, with a goal difference of minus seven. So a lot can change in a quick space of time. You know, before those two defeats, they were, you know, mid-table and doing pretty well considering the behind-the-scenes problems that, they, that they're facing. You maybe say that, um, you know, a manager, Neil Cox, you maybe kind of be willing to give him plaudits after match day five. So I guess what that comes down to is that we, you know, we shouldn't kind of necessarily take them lightly. It, it's still it's still a kind of must-win game for us because um, for most of this season we've been re- we've been on this cusp. You know, we've been we've not really been down properly in the bottom half this season. We've been on the edge of the playoffs, 
and then we've been kind of like around the mid-table and you know we're not far from where Scunthorpe were before they've suddenly lost a couple of games and now they look like they're in relegation that now they look like they're going to be in for a relegation battle if we you know if we lost the next couple of games then you know we could well be in that position but if we That's you know if we win thought. one but yeah but you know it's a cusp isn't it if we win one we could be back looking at um you know, looking at the playoffs, and I know it's like early in the season, and you know, one win can move you up half the table at this point. But also, you know, if you're kind of in and around the top, you know, the top eight, nine, ten early in the season, then it it kind of it kind of builds confidence, and usually it is an indicator that you're a good team because you've started the season well. You know, the teams that are down like bottom. Uh, sort of 20th down to 24th you know you get exceptions because Bolton started the season terribly and ended up getting promoted automatically but um, generally kind of the teams that are down there are the teams you look at and say like you know one win two wins could change everything but so far you have to say that poor teams admittedly Sutton United have only played five games because of um, issues with their ground so they've got games in hand. Uh, and, you know, certainly one of the teams that we've got coming up as well. So if you include Crawley, then we had like a run of three, what you might call beatable sides. And we actually got, we actually got beaten one of them. Yeah, oh, that's why a lot of people get excited. There. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's why a lot of people got uh, excited after the Salford game because the when you looked at the fixture list, it looked like we had a couple of fixtures that we should be on the right side of, and therefore we could have been able to build up a couple of points and put ourselves in quite a nice position going towards Christmas. But it wasn't to be against uh, Crawley, and hopefully things will be better against Scunthorpe, and because they've. Uh, they don't always have a leaky defence, though. But they did have a really poor defence against Exeter City, which makes me feel like they're going to overcompensate uh, away uh, against us, which I feel like they're going to sit back and just go for the draw So and play for set pieces. So maybe Carlisle, with the lack of firepower at the moment, we might struggle to break them down. Uh, 1-0 to Carlisle, I'm going to say. Yeah, I think, you know... If we play, if we play a different way, we could maybe take advantage of that. Um, but I'm going to say two 0 I don't, I don't, I, I don't feel it in my heart of hearts <laughs> that we're going to go. That you know that we're going to go there and win two 0 Is it home or away? The game It's at home. At home, right? I mean, we should, you know, we should be going out and playing more attacking football. We've just struggled with that so far this season. And you can you can kind of see us making attacking changes and coming out with a formation or a lineup that you think, yeah, you know, we've gone a bit more positive here. This you know, this looks like this could be the the kind of more attacking lineup we've been looking for. It it might come out with um a formation similar to what you were kind of saying that you think would work, and it might come out and then just fall flat. It's, <laughs> it just seems to be really difficult at the moment for us to get any kind of, right, this is the way we play, this is how we're going to move the ball forward, and this is how we're going to create chances. 
So I was, I was, I was tweaking. I was tweaking a couple of different things on the uh, on the formation thing that I did uh, for the Instagram. And if you, if 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 the listeners out there, if you've got a chance to go over to the Instagram, the Blue Army podcast, uh, just type in the Blue Army podcast on Instagram, and you'll find us. Um, you'll see the formation that I put in there, and I feel like it's it's quite an interesting um, option as well. It wasn't what I described to you necessarily just now. Um, it was yeah. so you get a back four. Okay, then two yeah. deep central midfielders, and obviously that's Guy and Riley. And then you've got three midfielders in front of those. Obviously, two of those are wingers yeah. and one of those are central. So you put somebody like uh, Clough in the central position and Gibson and a Dixon on the either side of that, potentially. And then you sit just one striker ahead of them. And obviously the yeah. idea is in attack, you've got four attackers uh you've got four attackers going forwards uh, and in defense obviously you've only got one attacker that maybe stays forward but it, it, i feel like the balance of that could be quite good um obviously if you've got to play with the ball on the ground from the defense then you do need to have the bodies back in that area of the pitch to be able to play the ball around on the ground. And that formation leaving one person up front on his own does lend itself quite nicely to us being able to play football on the ground. Lots of different areas of the pitch are covered and therefore lots of options to carry on just knocking it around. Another thing with playing football on the ground though is patience. Uh, You need to have players that you know, aren't nervous and are comfortable on the ball. And yeah, Clough's comfortable on the ball. Guy's comfortable on the ball. Mellish is comfortable on the ball. Riley's very comfortable on the ball. I don't necessarily think Dixon is. I feel like Dixon looks to get rid of it when he when he gets it. He doesn't necessarily look to run down his defender every time. He um, likes to play the likes to play the one two around his defender. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you. Know, you know, you maybe need kind of players who can do that as well as yeah. players that will just run at their defenders. Um, but you need players that are comfortable on the ball. You need you need risk takers as well. You know, uh, yeah. in order if you do want to play football on the ground, you do have to, you know, you have to wait for your opportunity to present itself, and you have to just keep playing the ball around and trusting that eventually you'll find those gaps. And that formation for me does lend itself quite nicely to that kind of attacking flow. Um, a little bit of news at the end, Wills, before I let yeah. you go. Uh, Jimmy Tiore, a man that many people are slowly forgetting about, was recently seen on social media back in Paris, but he was keeping himself yeah. fit. So he's obviously still thinking about his football. He was knocking around a football in some kind of indoor five-a-side yeah. complex area, but he did post it on his Instagram and that was posted onto the Carlisle United sort of supporters pages and was yeah. met with a bit of backlash. Like, what's he doing? Um, we've spoken about Jimmy Tiori in the past. You've mentioned that um, he, he has felt homesick and... Yeah. In the last two weeks, he was potentially looking for a transfer away from Carlisle United. This does seem like a smart decision from Carlisle United manager Chris Beach to let Jimmy Tiore go home and have a bit of leave for a couple of weeks and see if he can get his head back into the game. Because it's not, obviously it's not right now. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't ask to go home to Paris. Um, obviously, I hope everything's okay with family and all that kind of stuff. I assume yeah. that it is if he's actually still training. I assume yeah. that everything's still okay with family and things like that. I feel like it's maybe because he was 
rumoured to be looking for a move, didn't get a move, and hasn't been in the starting lineup at all this season. Um, only coming off the bench. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where his head's at when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to kind of like say, is he is he is he going to be in a is he going to be in a better frame of mind after not being with Carlisle for for so long? Mm. Um, I mean, during COVID, things were a bit different because you know he he couldn't go and see anyone, so he was then allowed to go back to France. For some time, for some time during that, uh, I, I don't know what the travel situation is now. Whether he kind of he, he wasn't able to go back and see his family during the summer, maybe I don't know. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the only people who kind of like know whether he's going to be in the right frame of mind are Jimmy Toure himself and hopefully Chris Beach. Um, yeah. I mean, this kind of thing doesn't, you know, this kind of thing doesn't happen. Um... Through like a reactionary measure, through like a dis- through like a disciplinary action or anything like, that. it's very much a, a negotiated thing when a player gets to have sort of leave during the competitive season. So that obviously has been some kind of conversation between Beach and Toure. Yeah. If anything's to go off recently with Beach's behaviour with with the media and comments on players, he has been quite harsh. Uh, talking about Tanner, he was quite harsh. Yeah, I yeah, uh, so like N- and Nigel Pearson seemed to Give take that. Stick. Yeah, mm. <laughs> he was a bit harsh on uh, on 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 Jack Armour in his uh, in his post match after the Crawley game as well. Yeah, mm. you know maybe he feels that he hasn't been harsh enough to them because you know I always thought of him as a sort of manager that he always only ever praised his players and he didn't really hear him kind of like criticise them. Maybe kind of, you know, players aren't doing the things that he wants them to do. And, you know, maybe he's decided himself that maybe part of the problem is that I don't criticise them enough. So, I don't know, maybe this is kind of like a change in attitude from Beach towards his players to say, like, if you don't do the things that I ask you to do in training, if if you forget that, during the match, then I will call you out in the press. Yeah, um, I mean, it does seem like he's had a bit of a change of ethos recently, and yeah. the way that he has been making certain comments in the press about his players is very uh, unforgiving. But I don't think that he's saying anything to the press that he literally hasn't said ten minutes ago in the changing room yeah. to the person's face. Um, so I feel like that's potentially one of the reasons why he's okay saying these things to the press because he's literally just said it to the person's face yeah um when i when i had that little sort of three minute interview with chris beach he is he's he's sharp you know he is is sharp he's on the ball and if you give him a window he'll make a joke he'll make a crack and (laughs) um you know um, you should ask him to contribute a joke of the week (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. We'll probably just he'll probably just say my name and then just put the phone down. <laughs> that's the kind of you know that's the kind of that's the kind of humor. At least my impression of him is that's the kind of humor that he's got anyway. Um... <laughs> <But> scathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He likes to burn people. <laughs> if he goes on a roast, 
It'd be good at a roast. <laughs> That's what it'd be good at. It'd be good at a roast. He might silence the room a few times. He'd be one of the people, that, ooh, like you get a lot of that when he's doing his set, but yeah. Um... <laughs> That's it, mate. That's it. I, I, it's, not, it's, not been, it's not been that fun to talk about Carlisle United's losing. Um, obviously, I was trying to get myself into a much better mood to talk about Scunthorpe, but to be honest, yeah. It, the disappointment of that Crawley Town loss is staying with me and therefore I hope it sticks with the lads and they can really get some fire in the belly and beat Scunthorpe in front of potentially a good crowd at Brunton Park, you know, because we've had that little break um, since since there's been a game at home now. So obviously yeah. some people will be missing it. So I'm expecting there to be around, you know, just over 4,000 there, um, which would be a good crowd. So I think, I think that's about standard for us now, isn't it? About 4,000. Yeah, I'm hoping it to be over four and a half thousand. Then I'll say. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I'm like I said. I think it'll only be one nil. I think Scunthorpe aren't going to attack. I think they'll be playing for set pieces, and I hope our defence is a little bit more organised this time. Uh, I hope that Jensen gets his opportunity to uh, prove if he can do it or not. Uh, and then if yeah. he can't do it, I will shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he needs his opportunity. And yeah. I feel like this is a good chance to give him his opportunity. Um, and if he keeps a clean sheet, then you've got to stick with the boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So have you got anything else you want to add there, Wills? Um, about Scunthorpe? Yeah, Scunthorpe um, football. Nah, not a lot, really. Um just that, you know, I hope we see some kind of change and some kind of response from them, whether that's tactical or whether it's in terms of personnel or if we can just come out and make a better start to the game. You know, you'd like to kind of see that that something's kind of been taken on board after the Crawley defeat. Yeah, you want to see a reaction and you want to see some changes. Uh, I don't feel like the 4-3-3 is working. There needs to be some movement and some changes in there. Um, Actually, just quickly, in wider world football news, money apparently can buy you anything because Wrexham have found themselves to be the first ever non-league English side. Well, Welsh, but you know what I mean. They played in the English non-league side to be included in the FIFA games. So the only team from the English non-league to be included in the FIFA games. So why why would they be included at all? And here's the reason why. Apparently, they're going to be in the rest of the world category. So as you're scrolling through Boca Juniors, Corinthians and Orlando Pirates, you will find <laughs> Wrexham and Aaron Hayden. Um, Aaron Hayden, yeah. And if you I mean, so if yeah. you if if you so choose to for some reason, <laughs> yeah. then you can be Wrexham this year yeah. on Football Manager. So uh, money can buy you anything, and it's bought Wrexham a place in FIFA twenty two. Wills, thank you very much for joining me this week You're on welcome. the Blue Army Thanks podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure, sir. This has been episode. 35 and uh, I'll be back in just a couple of seconds to tell you all about the loud and local segment but for now thanks very much for listening don't forget to follow us on Instagram like us on Facebook 
follow us on Spotify, download us on Podbeam, and comment about us and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because um, it's just it's just a nice thing to do, isn't it, Wills? Yeah. Really, it's just a nice thing to do. If you enjoy listening to this, it's just a nice thing to do. It's just a nice yeah, thing good, to do. Good thing to do if you've got some time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you know, you don't have to write a lot. It's not like TripAdvisor where you need to write yeah. at least 110 characters, otherwise they don't think it's a serious review. You know, you can just go, it's good, and leave it five stars. <laughs> I'll accept that. That's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us, Wills. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody, at home in the internet worlds. See you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Alright then, Mares, that's the end of the episode, and as always, it is my pleasure to introduce you to the Loud and Local segment. This week is Brocken Spectre with their song, Art Defacer. You can find these guys on Spotify and probably many other places. Fantastic local bands who are affiliated with the Warwick Bazaar and Warwick Road. So uh, I'm sure you could probably buy some of their CDs at Warwick Bazaar and Warwick Road. And while you're in there, you may as well have a little cheeky look around and see what kind of bizarre things they've got on the shelves. All right, then. Thanks very much for listening this week. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.